Here's the thing, Jerry. Who do you think's winning? Your Miranda rights are my right to keep you in this room as long as I want to. I don't care if you tell me the truth about your brother. I don't care who you work for. Because no matter what you tell me, you're in a load of trouble, son. Would you risk your life for your son? Podcast mm-hmm. listener, you have been activated. <laughs> well, welcome back, everybody, to Take Me to Your Reader, discussing adapted science fiction at its best and worst. I'm Seth. I'm James. And I'm Colin. And we're back doing uh, regular adapted science fiction. The question is on the adapted this time. <laughs> and so uh, <laughs> we will get to that. But the movie under consideration this time is Eagle Eye, which is the 2008 film directed by DJ Caruso, starring Shia LaBeouf and Michelle Monaghan, also featuring Billy Bob Thornton and Rosario Dawson. Yes. yes. And Michael He's Chiklis. my favorite part about this movie. Billy Bob? Yeah. Yeah. Billy's awesome. And it is based sort of in some way <laughs> somehow if we can determine i think the word you're looking for is uh, hold on, tangentially inspired there we go yeah. <laughs> uh, by the isaac asimov short story all the troubles of the world so we're going to talk about that story and then we'll try and figure out if it's actually an adaptation or or what <laughs> what what minor piece of it might have been adapted right so uh any previous experience had we all seen the movie before yes no that's right. Colin had not seen that's right. it. Um, yeah, that's right. You guys went the, got together and watched it a while ago because he hadn't seen it before, right? Yeah. I, I, think, think, I think right after we decided to do this. Yeah. I think you and Emily were on vacation. Yeah. So, that sounds about right. Yep. It was several movies ago. It was before Star, <laughs> yeah. Star Wars. It was before the live action Christmas story. Yes. We prepared way in advance for this. <laughs> yes. And as a result, recollections may be somewhat foggy <laughs> about certain elements. But due to the beauty of podcast editing, if we have to take half an hour to reread the story or watch the, watch the movie at 2x speed, you'll never even notice. Yep. So who wants to tackle the story? Uh, I'll do my best. And you guys chime in yeah, to, to okay. limit me from going too wide and then correct me from anything that I'm not remembering right. Okay. <laughs> so the movie, or excuse me, the short story was released in April of 1958 in super science fiction. And it, I guess you could say it stars a character from stories that we've seen in the past from iRobot, which is the world controlling mm-hmm. robot. Uh, I want to say in this case, it wasn't called the big brain. It's called Multivac. Right. Right. Yeah, I think this one stars in more like the last question. I think Multivac is one of the uh, one of the iterations of the, what ends up being like the world computer. Yeah, yeah. But it still, it all kind of pulls from the same general thing, the same like universe ish. And the idea is is that all the information in the world is fed into the computer, and it takes care of everything. It takes care of uh, population control, production, and it also does predictive things, almost like our story. Minority Report. Minority Report. Yeah. And so if it thinks that you're going to commit a crime, you get a visit from the police to stop you from doing it beforehand. And it it has been doing this for 50 years. And people are more than willing to give up all of their um, privacy in order to have such a safe world where there is no crime and no murder. Right. Well, not no murder. That's true, but very low (laughs) murders. I think there were like... Two cases, I think, or something like that. Yes. And then one day they're talking about this new project, and the new project is that Multivac is now going to do predictive work on diseases. Mm-hmm. So it's going to tell you if you're going to become sick or if you're going to break your leg, mm. and we'll intervene so that those things don't happen. 
and they get a murder case, and it really shakes people up. Mm-hmm. Well, breaking your leg isn't a disease necessarily. No, <laughs> I suppose it could result in maybe the contraction. Do you own a skateboard? Yes. <laughs> You're going to break your wrist. You're going to shoot your eyes. <laughs> Everything is becoming tied together in this weird inception. Like somebody get me a top. <laughs> is it spinning the other way? Oh. I'm not editing that out, man. <laughs> Um, so in parallel with this, we have uh, a character that helps us build our world, and he's a 16-year-old boy, and he's going to get his own multivac access because he's right. 16. Mm-hmm. And on the day of his access, his father is arrested for a predicted crime. And as a newly minted citizen, he goes down to the multivac station and he says, uh, this is who I am. This is who my father was. He was arrested for committing a crime that he hasn't done yet. Why did that happen? Mm-hmm. And... He is given a set of instructions. He is supposed to hop on the train, get off at a stop, go to a special door marked multivac access, and go in and tell them that he is the aide to a certain professor, and it kind of trails off. Mm -hmm. And then uh, we go back in perspective, we go over in perspective to the people that work at multivac saying they had managed to catch him before any damage had been done. Because one of his instructions was to pull a lever that was going to cause a short circuit, which would have destroyed multivac. Mm-hmm. And so then we have to do the unwind. And so they, they begin to wonder why that's happening. The reason is that he has carried all of our troubles as a world for 50 years, and he's tired of it. Right. And so they say, well, how can you possibly... Can't the world just stay safe for five minutes? <laughs> <laughs> so then they, they yep. turn around and ask multivac, uh, multivac, what do you yourself want more than anything in the world? And multivac answers, I to want die. to die. Yeah. And that's actually uh, in one of the, the books where that short story is printed, the best science fiction of Isaac Asimov. He talks about his inspiration for this. Mm-hmm. And it comes from Roman mythology, the idea of the oracles, mm. where one of the oracles was kept captive. Oh, yeah. And somebody finally right. asked her what she wanted. And she says, I want to die. Want to die. Hmm. So that's the origin of this. And so we just have new oracles these days. Hmm. Now, Colin, that was a good, I think, uh, encapsulation of the short story. Correct. But I asked you to do the story. I don't. I don't know if that's possible. Oh, the story. <laughs> <laughs> but you were rolling, so I just went with it. Um, so right. for anybody first joining us, as usual, sorry. Um, the we do we try to capture what is the common thread between the story and adaptation, and mm-hmm. we call that the story. And it can be a little confusing even for us. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, I should have put the I put should have put the square scare quotes up, and then. Air quotes. Yes. Square quotes, I think I was going to say. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, for me, the book is the story in almost every case. So. That is true. That is true. Uh, that should be my first indication. When, if <laughs> right. Colin volunteers, you should have known better. Yeah. Okay, the story. Uh, there is a computer with access to tons of systems and information, and it incentivizes someone to do a task that it wants done. Right. It moves... <laughs> moves things around, tries to order things to to have a result that it wants. Right. Yes. Yeah. Is that better? So I think I think the yeah. key part in what I guess, I guess the key part in what you were saying with the short story is that it would use the information to predict the actions of people. Yes. Right. Right. So he, it picked the young man because he is. Yeah. A, yeah. A, no. No. I'm, a, I'm just saying that the key takeaway from the short story, and we'll probably get to this talking about how it was. Tangentially inspired. <laughs> yeah. That that's the key thing to take away from the short story is that it used input from people, information of people to predict their actions. Yes. Well, yes. Yeah. And the machine had a goal that it needed people to actually accomplish. 
Right. That's that's kind of the two. Okay. It influenced people to accomplish its goal. Yeah. I mean, in a way, you Fair can enough. say yeah. that a lot of things are inspired by this story, right? <laughs> meaning, meaning you could you could tell yourself that because, like, person of interest, very much related to, to this, right? Massive right. information collection, right. um, prediction <clears throat> of stuff. Because in the story, uh, the sixteen-year-old's big brother is being kind of sworn in to the, mm-hmm. being read into the multivax system, right? Until you're right. 18, you're not even tracked independently of your family. Right. Right. And, and so there's a big thing where they go in and essentially they have their first confession. And, and, and I wonder if that was um, what it was like, like for a Catholic to, to have their first confession <laughs> and be welcomed into the oh, church. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's, that was what mm. it was reminiscent of for me. Um, not that I'm Catholic, but, but I, I've I've investigated uh, Roman Catholic initiation for adults um, and for uh, children as well. I can tell you all about it. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But uh, it tells them, you know, make sure you're honest because this information is essentially going to build a profile on you. And this is how Multivac will be able to protect you. It will be able Mm -hmm. to tell if you're going to commit a crime. And one of the crucial differences between Minority Report and, and this I always miss the R on report. I say minority report, but um, I've noticed that. Sorry. Um, special things about me. But one, <laughs> one of the differences is if they predict that you're going to commit a crime, they stop you, but then they don't have to punish you because you didn't actually do anything. Right. right. So that was fascinating. Yeah. So, okay. Other other discussion points about the story. Colin just literally sped read it like a few minutes ago, right. and I kind of thumbed through it just to, to refresh myself. Well, I think while we're on the topic of the story, because this doesn't apply to the movie at all. Is that the, when I was finished reading the story, it reminded me of that Voyager episode. Which episode um, again? It was episode... So the name of the episode is Death Wish, season two, episode 18. Okay. And the reason I saw you... I just watched this, like, the episode probably two or three days prior prior to me reading the book. Okay. And at the end, when uh, Multivac says that all he wants to do is die, mm-hmm. it reminded me of the Q... One of the Qs that was on trial... I have heard of ...in this, this episode... Uh, basically, so I guess the, the 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 quick summary of the story is that uh, there was a Q that had been imprisoned in a comet by the Q continuum, mm. and he happened to break free as the uh, Voyager was coming by. Mm-hmm. I think the Voyager actually blew up the comet or something like that. I can't mm. remember. Or no, no, they Voyager found him and transported him into the Q and into the onto the ship. That's okay. what it was. Out they found the, something. Out of the Phantom Zone. You're yeah, sure? <laughs> <laughs> basically. So they brought him on board, whatever, and uh, they f- they figure out who he is, and he requests amnesty aboard Voyager to escape the Q continuum's further punishment. Um, and then the Q that we all know from Enterprise TNG uh, comes into play. So now you have Q versus Q, and the crux of it is that the one Q just wants to die. Right. Uh, He's done everything there is to do in the universe. Mm-hmm. He's been alive for, you know, however long, eons right. upon eons. Mm-hmm. Um, he's more or less bored, and he wants to experience death. Hmm. All he wants to do is die. Interesting. Spoilers for a show that uh, premiered 20 years ago. Right. Yes. <laughs> not premiered, but probably And so it just kind of reminded me of him and Multivac. It could be analogous. Hmm. Um, and, and throughout his kind of amnesty trial... They bring in all these things that he's influenced throughout history. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so he's helped people along. He's done this. He's done. He's done all these things. Kind of like how Multivac has done all these things. Uh, they might not have. They might not want to die for the same reason. But they right. both are basically omnipotent, omnipotent beings that want to cease their existence for one reason or another. Gotcha. Uh, in Multivac's case, it seems he 
he's either overburdened or depressed. <laughs> right. Explicitly seems overburdened. Mm-hmm. I think he's depressed like the robot from Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, I don't think that Multivac has any uh, any capability to action. No. No. So the, right. the Q could have killed himself if he had been allowed to by the other Q, and he had to ask for help from the Continuum to do that. Mm-hmm. And uh, they eventually strip his powers, and right. he becomes human. Yeah, so that, I don't think he could have... He couldn't have killed himself. He he would have he would have needed the continuum to to strip him of his powers to then kill himself. Yes. Yeah. He couldn't do it by himself though. I get one can I guess assume that only the continuum can strip you of your powers. Yeah. You can't strip yourself of your powers. No self stripping. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Otherwise I think he would have done it and died. <laughs> Speaking of which, I was on an episode of Random Trek not too long ago, and that was fun. And it was for a Voyager episode, so oh, I'll, I'll put a link in the show notes. Yeah. I forgot once again to I've I've been telling myself you know <laughs> this is our sixtieth episode and I almost <laughs> never remember to say by the way everybody spoilers we're spoiling everything <laughs> yes uh, we expect that if you're listening to this you have either already read all the troubles of the world and watched Eagle Eye or right. you don't care if they're spoiled so um, but I basically I would like to be better about that less spoiling New Year's, New less Year's spoiling. resolution <laughs> you know what I uh, no I was gonna say I'll go back and put it up top but Meh. nah. I mean, I could fix that in post. I guess by now you'll know if I fixed that in post. <laughs> and I probably did not. <laughs> so there's my tangentially inspired by... Yes, another version, right? <laughs> Tangential thread, there you go. <laughs> yeah, well, and person of interest in Minority Report, sort of. I mean, it's not really yeah. inspired by it, but it's a similar idea, just without technology. Yeah, yeah, they had organics, you know, mm-hmm. future casters. Yep. I I think the story is clever in that it kind of slowly peels out what is this crime that they're watching the probability go up. Yes. Mm-hmm. Because they don't tell the father what crime he's being accused of. Mm-hmm. Right. And so then finally, right at the end, you find out, no, 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 no. We're, this is not assassination of a world leader. This is not the murder of a mm-hmm. person. This is about the assassination of Multivac. Yeah, um, they slowly let that out. Yeah. And that's cool. And then it, it, it analyzes what had happened. So, you know, he, he was very clever. He didn't tell us what was going on. He right. didn't do this. However, he had to tell us that he was going mm-hmm. to die. And we know that the more he does this, the more clever he will become. Hmm. It's interesting, too, that the the idea of the kind of end around that Multivac was trying to do, where getting the dad arrested instigated, they got the kid to want to go talk to Multivac. Right. Mm-hmm. So that was, uh, and that, that ties in somewhat to the movie. Ish. Ish. Yeah. yeah. So, enjoyable story. Quick read. Mm-hmm. Colin Sped read it in like four minutes. <laughs> That's because I'd read it before. Yes. I only had to remember what I knew when I read parts of it. That made it much easier. Yes. I think I read it inside of half an hour, at least. Yeah. Anything else on there? I'm not sure that I buy the idea that younger children are just not accounted separately. Was there child mortality reasons for that? or 16-year-olds can get into some crap, so... <laughs> I think it's more legal reasons. Like, you know, if, if our if our kids mm. got in a lot of trouble, we are liable for their actions. True. And 18 is the age of majority, at least in the U.S. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but like in Judaism, right, I think it's, what, 12 for bar mitzvah? You're considered responsible for your own actions. Mm-hmm. I, I did think it was interesting at the beginning when they're talking about um, murders and the, and the the world leader guy, you know, the chair, commissioner, the chairman. whatever his name is wants to have there be no murders right. during his term. Um, and then it's talking about the <laughs> other things that they're starting to 
profile for, and one of them was wife beating. I'm like, was this still so common in the 50s when this was written? That uh, I mean, I'm tragically, yeah, it, it probably Maybe. is pretty common, but right. um, still. The 50s is that area era where I think the belief of, uh, you know, can't be rape if you're married was right. held yeah. popularly. Yeah, we have moved on somewhat. Yeah, so, though, somewhat. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and on that note, uh, why don't we talk about the movie? Okay. <laughs> so um, as we've been talking around, there is not really strong evidence that it was directly adapted. <laughs> there was a note. And I wish I'd found my original right. note because I, I had the belief it was more strongly adapted. Yeah, this. because the, the reason that we're even considering doing this was it was in the list. Mm-hmm. And I saw that it was it's at all the troubles of the world. And so I went and looked up the Wikipedia article not too long ago after we decided to do it, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and went, this doesn't say it's based on it. It right. just says, you know, inspired. Well, that's why idea. I texted you too, because yeah. uh, you, you gave me the book, the short, uh, the book with the short story in it mm-hmm. by Isaac Asimov. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't remember the name of the story at first. So I went to IMDb to look it up. Usually oh. that works out. Yeah. So I looked at Eagle Eye and then I looked at it written by and the writer and all that. I'm like, Wait a minute. There's, yeah. there's there's no mention of Asimov around here. Yeah. Or another novel or short story of some sort. <laughs> uh, our podcast, our rules. Yeah. So I'm like, uh, what's going on here? <laughs> really, we just wanted another more or less upbeat movie yeah. between Children of Men and Never Let Me Go. Touche. So. That's when I found the article talking about how, what's his name again? Tom McDermott? Dan McDermott. Had been inspired by Steven Spielberg, who had been inspired by the story. This story from As- yeah. Isaac Asimov. He had an idea. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But nothing, nothing worth dropping a acknowledgement to the works of Harlan Ellison. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> well, so well, it's almost like we have the opposite case. I think yeah. that I think, and you guys let me know if I'm over speaking here, mm-hmm. that we'll agree that it's highly similar to the story. There are elements of it. Elements, yeah. yes. Yeah, I would say. It's it's more specific right here because this is not an application. This is not something that takes care of everyone. This is a military application right. for the most part. Right. That may be trying to stretch itself into more areas. Right. And unlike Multivac, who had no action, Arya has control of quite a few things. Yeah, and that's just yeah. a difference between the 50s and now and in, in how right. integrated technology is into things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we're going to talk about the movie now. Let's talk about the movie. Um, you know, Let's one, spoil the movie. One, one of the big downsides for people might be the fact that it's got Shia the Beef in it. Um, and <laughs> The Boof. I, I guess people don't like him. Um, and I'm, I'm not precisely sure why, because oh. I do. I, I think he's a good actor. I mean, he kind of always plays himself, but so many actors just play themselves over and over. Um, so if you don't like him, then then this that could be a downer, although Michelle Monaghan's in it. and He has a, a troubled personal life. Yes. Which which makes him difficult, I think, may make him difficult to hire for various acting roles. That could be. But that's also not uncommon. No. Um, but I think I will agree with James, though, that Billy Bob Thornton yeah. really really is one of the, the highlights of the movie. Oh, yeah. He's by far the best. Yeah. So, why don't you, since you, you so ably handled the story story, uh, how, how about the movie story in broad strokes? Okay. Uh, there's a young man who has a twin brother, and this young man is kind of the black sheep of the family. Mm-hmm. His twin brother dies in an accident, and he goes back to visit his family, and uh, he's rece- he gets a phone call, and it says... Well, this is first, first, you find out that he's broke and working at a Kinko's. Right. And, <laughs> Basically, uh, yeah. Office Depot. Copy office World Max, or yeah. something like that. Yeah. Uh, the Buy More. <laughs> <Chuck>. <laughs> um, and 
yeah, he's totally broken. So then he goes back to the, the ATM and it says he's got 750K. Right. And he goes back to his apartment. It's filled with packages. And the packages are like weapons and binoculars and ammonium nitrate. Fertilizer. And, yeah. yeah, bomb-making materials. Tons of fertilizer. Yeah. Tons of guns. Yeah. Military-grade so stuff. He, yeah, he gets a phone call saying, yeah. the FBI will be in your apartment in 30 seconds. You need to run now. Well, it starts with that famous phrase. Yes. You have been activated. You have been activated. Yes. Um, so then, then it turned. You've been activated by I'm, Julianne Moore. Yes, <laughs> I was trying to figure out who it was. I'm like, I think that's Julianne Moore. Yep, totally. Yeah. Uh, I interrupted your. No, no, you're your, your recap. You, go ahead. Yeah. So go we ahead. can keep doing that. So from there, the movie is a gigantic chase scene. Right. Yeah, basically, yeah. With with a few well, which I actually thought was really cool. The uh, the chase scene in the car where they're. Uh, Okay, let's talk about that. So that's when yeah. he breaks out of FBI custody, right? right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, that was an awesome chasing. It is absurd, <laughs> though. I mean... It is. That's what makes it yeah. so awesome. Yeah. So to me, though, like, the the one the one thing that has to happen from Arya's point of view, and that's the name of the, mm-hmm. the AI, mm-hmm. is Jerry has to survive, right? Because she yeah. needs him to say those specific words to unlock her and let her take her full course of action. Right. She set all the marbles in motion, mm-hmm. but if, if he doesn't say those words, then she can't actually execute them. Right. And at least I think that's, that's what it is, right? Because she wants him to say those things and then Michelle Monaghan has to be there to blow him away. So that yeah, yeah, counter, yeah. It, it all hinges on him being, yeah, yeah him right. being alive. Yeah. Um, and there's so many times when, when I'm like, <laughs> he could have died, died like, like 10 times during the movie. Very probable. <laughs> um, and, and the idea of her knowing probabilities and knowing, mm-hmm. you know, what, what's safe is fine, but you've got an independent agent working in there. And I guess, I guess you can kind of simulate it and go, okay, nine, 999 times out of a thousand, he makes that jump and lives mm-hmm. without any serious breaks. All right. But Yeah. Well, there's an episode of Person of Interest, and since it, it fits it so well, I think we should use uh-huh. it as a reference. And if you haven't ever watched it, it is really, really good. It's very enjoyable. Uh, there's a scenario in one of the episodes later on where uh, all of the agents of the computer are under attack. And so it, mm. it runs all these simulations to see if it can get them out and how it's going to get them out. Oh, interesting. And after they all die like six times, you begin to wonder. Right, Does it go it through doing? each scenario? Yes. Yes. Excellent. Yes. Uh, it's kind of like that episode of Continuum you showed me, where they're rolling the dice and there's common elements in every one, but some oh, yeah. things are different. Community, not commu- Continuum. Community, yes, yeah. It's <laughs> <was> pretty fun. <laughs> yeah. So I think it's plausible that it knows high areas of probability, but there yeah. are random things. Mm-hmm. For example, uh, if you don't do what the machine says, it will punish you. And so many of the people right. are motivated by not being caught by the police or mm-hmm. by having someone they love being killed. Yeah. Or by being directly threatened, like right. the jewel maker. Yes. So somehow... The machine overloads a bunch of power lines, which happen to fall right down on top of him and kill him. Oh, he's the music shop guy. Yeah, the music shop guy. Yeah. He's electrocuted. And I'm like, that's... He's evaporated. That, that was <laughs> yeah. my bus jumping the bridge from speed moments. Like, you no, know, <laughs> that's just not going to happen. I don't know. There were enough, enough cables going down there that you could, you could see. <laughs> Eventually, one would hit the ground near enough to him to kill him. Maybe. So I do like he was just atomized. And that was he awesome. wasn't though. He, I, I watched I watched it back and it was there's this poof oh, really? of like the outer layer of his skin all fried. He was crispy critters. Yeah, oh, yeah. It looked they like still, he was. They evaporated. still got a fingerprint off of him. That's true. So. They he had a thumb left. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or finger or something. Yes, like Peter Pettigrew. Yes, yes. It, just <laughs> we got to cross the streams as much as possible. We've got Star Trek in here. <laughs> Little Harry Potter. Um, yeah, but that that chase though. 
Yeah. I mean, you got to admit, well, it's impossible to tell what's going on. I was thinking this movie was fun in the, in the same way that Final Destination is kind of fun. Okay. Like, it's super it. dumb, but just the way <laughs> things that they do in the movie are very entertaining. <laughs> well, so I think when we, when we did our episode on Colossus, mm-hmm. the Forbin Project... I mentioned Eagle Eye is the dumb version of Colossus, the Forbin Project. Because that's yes. more or less... Right. It's along the same lines, right? It's yeah. a yeah, yeah, government yeah. computer meant to control weapons. Right. Yes. Um, only it's not really meant to control weapons, I don't think. Because I like the way it starts, and here we're going back to the beginning. Right. Um, where you, you don't really know what's going on. You just know there's a 51% probability mm-hmm. or something, and an abort recommendation. Right. They're, they're looking for a terrorist. They think right. he's in this place. Yeah. Uh, and it's an opportunity for them to go hunt him and kill him. So it feels like an Afghanistan. Yes. Well, this yes. is one of the, the the relations to the the story, right? Is that it? You you're the CIA or whatever government multiple government agencies are mm-hmm. feeding in tons of information right. to this supercomputer, and using and in doing so relying upon it to come up with predictive analysis. Right. So that's they don't a, like the fact that it said forty two, fifty one, fifty one percent. Yeah. That's what they're using it for. At least. Yeah. That scene, that that seemed to be what it was using for from the beginning. Yeah, just the fact that it's networked and can do all this other stuff with plenty of other networked systems. Right, is like a bonus, I guess. Yeah, and yeah. bonus for the movie, anyway. Yes, <laughs> but but I like the fact that there's that little thread at the beginning, and then you yeah. don't know, like the first time you see, it, you don't know who's pulling the strings here. Who who's the woman on the phone? Right. right. And you don't know what she is, and it's not until about an hour into the movie that you finally mm-hmm. find out about Eagle Eye and Arya. Right. Yes. That's when you meet Anthony Mackie, who's awesome. Falcon, yes. right? Um, and at the same time, I was so I was I was watching bits of it on that YouTube video, <laughs> um, and it, at the same time they're introducing that. That's when Jerry and Rachel are kind of getting the here's everything we know about you in the Circuit right. City, which Circuit, <laughs> Circuit City, by the way, uh, yeah, <laughs> do they, totally. do they exist anymore? <laughs> no, 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 not really. <laughs> yeah, I do remember the cool little uh, home home theater. Centers though oh, yeah. were fun, yeah, yeah. Well, they, they they figured greatly in Chuck as well, yeah, in the Bible, right. right, right, yeah. In a way, the the scenes where she's directing him reminded me of the one scene from The Matrix. Turn left yes. now, duck. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, or or the scene in Minority Report when he's being directed by the precog. Yeah, grab yeah, an umbrella, drop, drop some coins. Yeah, yeah. Not original at all. This movie. <laughs> no, 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 not not particularly. Um, should, should we? I guess we've we've danced around it. You you mentioned that it's enjoyable, right? Yeah, yeah, but no. Yeah. Right. Um, I think I, I I tend to agree. I do really enjoy it. Yeah. Even though there are parts where I'm like, the pace is so frenetic here, and the shot length is like a half second. Right. It seems like. <laughs> um, it still is. It still is a fun ride, and part of it is because I think the shot length and the, the quick cuts and the mayhem mm-hmm. at the beginning with that chase scene is supposed to be confusing because it kind of puts you in the protagonist's point of view because they are. Mm. Confused oh, sure. as hell. Yeah. yeah, they're being manipulated, right. forced to work together. Yeah, I like that when he first gets in the car with her, and she figures right. he's the guy who's who she needs to talk to. <laughs> yeah, him. every person they run into yeah. is like, "What are you doing to me?" Blah yeah. blah blah. Yeah. Like every, every person, as soon as it's the other person they're interacting with that's causing this whole thing. Yeah, <laughs> what well, makes sense? Or driving it, I guess. You never right. assume an AI, right? Yeah, yeah. So um, those were those were the two relations to the story. The, I guess, the short story. The uh, predictive supercomputer and the computer driving people to do things for it? Yes. Okay. Yeah, and, and the crucial difference, of course, is the AI <laughs> does not want to be destroyed. Right. But but it is also interesting what what the plan is, right? What what the AI's yeah. plan is. Yeah, that's true. It, it is looking at the big picture, kind mm-hmm. of evitable conflict right. um, way, and going, what is the way I can maximize 
mm-hmm. um, you know, the best outcomes for everybody. And preventing war is a big thing, right? And the right. fact that they've countermanded her order, her, her abort recommendation, mm-hmm. means now there's going to be more terrorism and that kind of stuff. So regime change is needed. Right. right. And that's it's a fascinating kind of turnabout where you think of America or, or, or NATO <laughs> as, as mm-hmm. the, the people who activate regime change. You don't think of the right. United States as needing it. Although these days, modern. <laughs> <laughs> uh, not to get political. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there are some other absurd things like the armored truck holdup. I'm like, if yeah. you, if you run that simulation a thousand times, there's like one they get away with it, and nine nine hundred ninety nine right. where they get shot dead. <laughs> yeah. Um, although I do like the fact that uh, that Rachel like is mm-hmm. is really quick to to fire into the air and get oh, yeah. under control. She's not messing around. You know, she's a mama looking out for her kid. That's I right. do I do hate when people get up close and personal with guns. I'm like. You're defeating the whole purpose of the gun in the first place. Yeah, yeah that's a shotgun. It's going to be effective. <laughs> yeah, out of their arm's reach. Uh, and lot, there were several. Uh, oh yeah, the... gun cocking. Yes, there. like you just drop right. a perfectly good shell. Yeah, <laughs> or it's empty. So. I like the intricacy of what what happened. Yes, like they had to knock over the armored truck in order to get the injections. Jewel. Oh right, that right, the injections so they for could the, be so put they could fly the plane, the cargo plane. Mm-hmm which was going above where they could breathe, and so it reduced their oxygen consumption. Mm-hmm. And just, yeah. yeah. Well, so like I mentioned, it's a frenetic pace through most of the movie, but there are a couple spaces to breathe, and I thought they were really well deployed, where the first ones, they're on the garbage scow, or the garbage <laughs> garbage barge. Yeah. Gar- garbage. Garbage. Um, and the other one is when they're in that container, right? And it's it's claustrophobic. It's right. Um and, and they, they don't want to nice... be awake for that anyway. <laughs> no, you wouldn't yeah. Especially they have been running balls out for yeah. a full day. They both must reek. But Oh yeah. Um no, no I like that I like that downtime there. It, it it did it well to develop the characters a little bit. This is not a character development movie. No. Um, but I do feel like uh Shia and Michelle Monaghan work well yeah. together. Yeah. There was the some chemistry there. It was well acted. Mm-hmm. Billy Bob Thornton, let's talk about Billy Bob Thornton. How awesome he is. Yes. I like that when he, he pulls up. He's got like an old, you know, a really old cell phone. Right. And he's like, I, I can't read this dossier on this guy. He's like, oh, I, can, I can make the text bigger for you. No, no, no. I'm talking about paper. You remember like in the olden times? That was pretty great. Yeah. I, I wonder if there was more to him that kind of got cut where he's almost the foil for Aria, right? It's like, <laughs> I, you can't influence me because I, I read paper. and Right. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. In a way, he's kind of the Tommy Lee Jones character. From the future. Oh, from future, yeah, yeah. right. I didn't kill my wife. <laughs> I don't care. Yeah. Yep. That's what I was I like the interrogation room when he's in the with, with the booth. Yep. He's like, uh-huh. Yep. I, I don't care, kid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like, this oh. is this is what we have on you. <laughs> yeah. I don't care what you had to say. <laughs> I did like the name of the copy place, Copy Cabana. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> little little barely man enough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I think that's about all I got. So, <laughs> well, as a book that was only loosely adapted, what more well, could we right. talk about? Yeah. Uh, it was a, a commercial success. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, I think oh, eighty million dollars nice. to make and one hundred and seventy-eight in in box office. That's not bad. But twenty five percent fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. Ouch! Sounds about right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, What's the audience score? That's uh, let me look that up real quick. Average of five out of ten. So on audiences did tend to like it. Yeah. Mm. Oh, I will say the, this movie has an Emily rating, M rating for short, of B+. What is an M rating, James? <laughs> so since, uh, since Emily tends to watch all of our movies with us, uh, she usually chimes in on how the movie is. 
And so uh, I asked her this time around, and she's like, oh, I'd say a B plus. I'm like, okay. M rating it is. <laughs> M rating. Now, just to give us some, some contrast. All right. Some contrast. Let's see. So Children of Men was an F. <laughs> F plus because I had Michael Caine in it. Blade Runner. <laughs> Blade Runner was an F minus. She had no idea what was going on. <laughs> right. Like, I think Rollerball had to be had to be down in the low Fs. Yeah, it's probably like an E. <laughs> e or no E F G. There you go. Yeah, it was a T for troll. <laughs> it was a G. <laughs> by the way, the audience score is sixty two percent from Round Twenty. So, oh, my bad. Oh. Generally well liked by people. But right. not so much by critics. Speaking of critics, I did, I really did enjoy, in particular, the first line of Roger Ebert's review. Yeah. <laughs> the word preposterous is too moderate to describe Eagle Eye. <laughs> this film contains not a single plausible moment after the opening sequence, and that's borderline. <laughs> it's not an assault on intelligence. It's an assault on consciousness. <laughs> and then at, at the end, he... he uh, I guess that was more than the first line. I, I forgot how, how good the rest of it was. It's right um, Ebert for you. He says, to summarize, Eagle Eye is great at all the things I object to, and I admit it, but I didn't enjoy it. He gave it two stars because he felt like, from a technical filmmaking perspective, right. the CGI and stunt work, you know, it all worked. Yeah. Um, but in, in terms of a story, yeah, no, not so much. So Yeah, it's like I said, it's a, it's a dumb movie, but enjoyable. Yeah. He's got a kind of Go into it with that. Turn your brain off and well, and enjoy the, the smash, so smash and grab. There's little. It's fun to actually watch it again because mm-hmm. you get to see, you get to notice when when the guy comes and takes the trumpet case, right? Yeah, because um, you you see it the first time, but you don't know right. what's going on. You don't know who's talking to him because she hasn't started talking to Jerry yet. Uh huh. Yeah, and, I was wondering. I'm like, what the heck is that guy doing? And then yeah. I saw him taking about the trumpet, the music store, putting in the thing. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, okay. It's a lot of moving parts, and then they introduce yeah. the sonically activated. Mm-hmm. Explosion, um, explosive, I suppose. Right, right. And so all the pieces are there, but you, I'm not sure until until they start showing that everything starts to come together at the end when mm-hmm. when they're playing at the White House, right? Because the son was supposed to be playing at the Kennedy Center, mm-hmm. right? And they get rerouted to play at the White House, and you realize, okay, that that's, and then she gets the necklace. <laughs> and so you're like, okay, so you have the trumpet with the special amplifier in it or whatever it is, yeah, to reinforce that note in case the kid hits it flat. Yes. Um, <laughs> I guess. He's being auto-tuned. Yeah. So turn mom into a suicide bomber, really. Yes. Which she would do to save her son. Mm-hmm. Although, you kind of have to ask yourself, if if you know that you're the bomb, and you're going to be in the same room as your son... I don't think she I, knew she, she was the know. bomb. She didn't know she was the bomb. No. She, oh. was, she was just doing what she was told to save her son. Take this diamond and go to this place, uh-huh. oh, and her son happens to be there. Yeah, yeah. I, think, I think Jerry yeah. puts it together. Yeah. And it's it's fascinating too because you have you have one climax of the film that, that is Jerry finding out why he, why he's needed right they find out about the mm-hmm. something left behind by the brother right and I think that's when you get the cool scene where they're in the continuity of government area where where the Michael Chiklis right. character is the designated survivor mm-hmm. right so you've got like the yeah, state of the union cool. or whatever right um, and Arya is trying to listen in on the conversation right and, and um, ends up having to listen <laughs> that in was pretty rad on the, the ripples <laughs> on the coffee yeah, yeah. I mean it, it stretches <laughs> strains credulity but in a movie this impossible that was funny yes. <laughs> this absurd um, it worked well the, I know that they can do laser surveillance by monitoring the vibrations on a window and so yeah. whether you can do it with a camera and a coffee cup I mean is Similar in idea, but certainly not as accurately. Security measured. cameras are not right. that high resolution. They <laughs> Maybe they are in 
Who Washington. Knows? Never been there. I don't know. No, I haven't been there. <laughs> haven't been down in the bunker. But but yeah, it was interesting to see um, th- that you know she chose the one guy who didn't agree with the order to be to be the new president essentially. Right. Well, he was the smart one. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're, you're the one who obey me. That makes you smart. <laughs> <laughs> so you know me. I'm a, I'm a sucker for a redemption story. I was trying to see whether or not you know Shia's character arc led in that direction because he he ends up doing what he's told Mm -hmm. um he doesn't resist the final command to undo the lockout made by his brother but then he goes and he tries to stop it from happening right he doesn't realize that's what he's doing right he just he just keeps obeying right um i think if he had known that's what it was he doesn't even really you know he he is willing to sacrifice his life so that the son will live even though he's not going to live right (laughs) Right. he's gonna be blown up with everybody else in the wherever it was the White House. building, yeah, but like you know, he tells her just you know go ahead and you go ahead and shoot me and and go save your son. But uh, also there's there's the sort of reconciliation with the parents. Um, all it took was him getting shot right. before the Senate <laughs> <laughs> um, to make his dad realize, okay, my artsy son is okay. Yes, because <laughs> that's the difference, right? His his brother was this really driven guy, mm-hmm. super genius, and he was the slacker. Well, and it eventually figures out what Arya is up to and then leaves that coded message with the video of him tapping Morse code that they right. decoded visually. Right. And then they had to go to a part where Arya wouldn't see them, except then the Arya eyeball comes over and smacks them and knocks them into the water. Yeah. And... <laughs> yeah, it gets a little complicated toward the end. Right. Yeah. It gets a little silly. Yeah. Yeah. But that's okay. Yep. I don't mind a movie getting a little silly sometimes. Sometimes it's a fun change of pace. Yeah. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, doesn't even make sense to rank them. <laughs> They're almost orthogonal. <laughs> yeah, apples and oranges. <laughs> yeah. um, let's see. Um, the short I think, story I think is we've tragic. Got a, we've got a fifty-one percent recommendation on ranking, right? And an abort code. <laughs> and an abort code. <laughs> doesn't it doesn't make sense to rank? I don't think all. it does. Um, I, I will say, I think in terms of if if I had to just say on on pure enjoyment, I do enjoy the movie. I've I've seen it like three times now, and and yeah, it was fun. So. But the story's good too. I, I mean, it's it's a. I'm not sure that it would reward a re- reread in the same way that the movie rewards a rewatch because you can kind of see the threads coming together. Yes, yeah, and the and the story has, like I mentioned, has that tragic element at the end where you understand that while, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, multivac, multivac, multivac. <laughs> uh, is, is taking care of all of our lives and everything. It's yeah. it's chained and trapped and doesn't want to live anymore. Yeah, that's that's sad. Right, it is. Cool. We can keep this one tight and bright here. Yeah. yeah, it's a little easier on the editing for me. So next, next we are going to be doing "Never Let Me Go" by Kazuo Ishiguro. Indeed, and we're going right. to watch the movie as well, which is on Netflix currently. So yes. easy to do the homework. My wife watched it the other day, not knowing what it was, and just told me that was a really weird movie. <laughs> <laughs> so we should have a, an, an M and an E. Rating. Excellent. Yes. <laughs> yes. M and an L, right? Emily, Elaine, right? M- oh, yes. M and L. Yep. M&L rating. Then K. Yeah. Kathy. K-L-M. Elk rating. We could fly to Amsterdam. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so but yeah. This I'm is curious to see what Emily thinks of this movie. Yeah, well, me too. Uh, me too. Is she going to read the book as well? Because Maybe. James, we do have like eight copies of it. <laughs> yeah. James went above and beyond the Call of Duty here. Why don't you talk about that? <laughs> so, I was, so I was looking for this book at the library and I uh, came across what they call the book club kit, which I had no idea what it was. It just said, 
book club kit. Yes. And uh, I clicked on the, well, actually clicked on the details to try and f- see what it was. It didn't mm-hmm. give me any other information though. So I'm like, eh, I'll go with that. <laughs> so you requested it? Yeah, I requested it. And then Emily brings home this box. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a Rubbermaid tote. Yeah, it's like a little Rubbermaid tote that has, I think it was eight soft cover, eight copies of the soft cover book, and then a little um, like report folder in there that right. gives you like I think a little summary of the plot, right? Discussion overview, guide. yeah, discussion guide, an yeah. overview of the book, a little about the author. Who this person is. And so what we're going to meet here every Tuesday exactly. and drink wine and <laughs> read a book yep. with all our girlfriends. The benefit of the, the book club kit is that I think I, I get it for like a month and a half. So Oh, nice. Hey. <laughs> cool. As opposed to the usual, what, three weeks, I think? Yeah. Yeah. yeah so. so I think, wasn't it, uh, it was Ishiguro who just won the Nobel Prize for Literature. Yes. It was just awarded it. Yeah, just for a different story, though, yeah? No, Nobel Prize is is given to the author, not to a work. I see. Yeah. So that'll be a fun one to... uh, Well, I'm not sure it'll be fun. I've I've read the book, and I've seen the movie. We'll see. I did like the book, so we'll come back to that. We can watch Eagle Eye again afterwards. (laughs) There we go. (laughs) No, but we can watch The Island afterwards. And uh, maybe we'll give a little discussion of that one as well, because it may be related. Okay. Okay. Tangentially inspired. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that should still be the name of this podcast. <laughs> yeah, I, I think so. Um, <laughs> actually, you know what? I like it. Sold. Uh, and on that note, we will sign off. And of course, thank you for listening. And uh, we do appreciate it. And, See, you know, muchas gracias. Reach out to us if you want to. Uh, we don't need any more listener recommendations. We've got, we've got enough things. I, I, as we've done this, I mean, the list of possible adapted works, just movies, not even television, mm-hmm. is right. extraordinarily large. So, yeah. Um, yeah, we don't necessarily need you to tell us about new stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we talked about this in the past. I think we have the single largest one-in-one-place compilation oh, of yeah. adapted works for science fiction yeah. ever. Mm-hmm. So I, we wouldn't mind having more. That's true. And we're about to right. polish off our last listener request. Yes, we don't have any current ones. So so if you want us to get to yours sometime in the first of Ready Player year, One. Well, Ready Player One. So, <laughs> yeah, we can talk about some of our plans that we have, right? Ready Player One comes out the very end of March. So we're not mm-hmm. going to be able to do that for our March episode. Uh, yeah. yeah, we can do it for April. So yeah, we can do it for April. So that leaves us, you know, February, we're going to be doing Never Let Me Go. Right. March, I think we should do The Running Man. That's what my son wants us to do. Ah, uh, gotcha. Which would be right. fun. Because right. we watched it a while back. He likes it better than Predator, he tells me. So what? I'm going to have to rewatch both of those and figure out if I... Mm. I mean, I love it's them both. It's been a while since I've seen Rid of Me, but I don't know about that. I think I, I, think I hear a uh, binge watch happening here. Yeah, yes. maybe. Back to back. Movie to movie. <laughs> Sounds good. Arnold to Arnold. I've been sick and oh, I, I could binge watch Arnold all day. <laughs> I've been sick and I can't do my Predator sound. It doesn't work. My throat and it's condition. Okay, anywho. Uh, leave us a review on iTunes, if you would be so kind. And... Uh, Shoot us an email, feedback at pavementpodcast.com, or follow us at Pavement Podcast. Or like our Facebook page, facebook.com slash pavementpodcast. Okay, uh, that'll do it for now, so we'll sign off with the Pavement Pounder's blessing of some kind. And, <laughs> and James just inspired me, so until next time, <laughs> may the road rise up to meet you, and may you be tangentially inspired <laughs> by something. Okay, bye everybody. Uh, by the... as. Uh, I- Isaac Isamoff. Um, Isaac Isamoff? Yes. <laughs> Isaac Asimov, short story. Which I had no idea what it was. Just said, book up play. Book club kit. Recording. Recordamento. Record- also- recording. You've been recording. I also Discord. Recording. Recording. Okay. Recording. 
I'm broken recording. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>